So, we, you know, we're on the way to the house and I uh, called the ex-boss at the time that I used to work for. And, and I said, Russell, you know, tell me the truth, man. What's what's going on? And he said, you know, he asked me if I was driving. And I, I said, he had me calling back when I got back to the house. So I called him back from the house. And, I, you know, I'm like, Russell, tell me what's going on, man. Please tell me my brother's okay, you know. And he's like, you know, sorry. Um, Mike, I'm sorry. Your brother, he's, he didn't make it. It's not good. He, he didn't make it. Imagine that. Imagine being on a plumbing job and getting the call from your younger brother's boss saying he was killed in a car accident on his way to a plumbing call. Takes a strong human being to overcome such strategy. Mike Chastain is the owner of Absolute Plumbing Services in Cartersville, Georgia. While the company has been in business for some time now, it was only recently that Absolute Plumbing made a pivot from the world of new construction to residential and commercial service plumbing. Now, Mike and the boys and gals are well on their way to a million dollars in revenue for 2021. Mike's story is full of small wins and big losses, but his perseverance and determination to do right for his family kept that big heart of his pumping strong. And if there's a definition to the hard work pays off model, Mike's picture would be right there next to it. In part one of this two-part interview, Mike gives us a behind-the-scenes look at the struggles that come with working your way through the plumbing ranks. We also break down the pros and cons of new construction plumbing industry. And finally, get into some personal stories that go far beyond filling those empty holes with plumbing systems. So without further ado, here's my conversation with the one and only Mike Chastain of Absolute Plumbing Services in beautiful... Cartersville, Georgia. All right, we are here with Mike Chastain, proud owner of Absolute Plumbing Services over in the Peach State, Georgia. Mike, how are you doing today? Good, man. Happy to be here. Great, great. Now, from my understanding, this is the first time that you've ever done a podcast before or a guest as a podcast or any, be on any podcast. Is that correct? Yes, sir. My first time. Now, Mike, knowing you, you seem to be a natural at everything you do. So uh, I don't see any issues uh, for, you know, begin. We'll call it beginner's luck, but I know you'll be a natural. Yeah, man, I'm ready. So tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself, Mike. Tell us where you grew up. What, what was it like growing up? And all the way until you kind of had that aha moment or the, the one moment that kind of triggered that you're going to go all in on plumbing. Um, first off, I'm, uh, from a small city town, Cherokee County, Woodstock, Georgia, Woodstock, Cherokee County. I went to school at Etowah High School where I met my wife. We started dating in the ninth grade. Our first time we, uh, went on a date, we, uh, did the tango and she ended up pregnant. <laughs> so, uh, I had a choice to make to either finish school or, or find a job and start supporting uh, the family, you know. So I chose the route of plumbing because my best friend's dad had owned a plumbing company. And I started working with their plumbing company. It was, it was a new started plumbing company. From there, I, I worked as a journeyman plumber under other plumbers and learned how to it was all new construction plumbing, so I learned the uh, ins and outs of plumbing throughout the years. I got to be 
probably 17 or 18 years old. Now, keep in mind, I was, um, I was 15 years old when all this took place. So I didn't even have my driver's license yet. And, um, I have, I was forced into the workforce to support a small family now. So at the time work, the top pay for a helper at that time was like $4 and 70 cents an hour. So, you know, you can imagine being 16 years old, 15, 16, trying to support a wife and a child on $4 and 70 cents an hour, which was nearly impossible. So I ended up working with this company about five years for crumbs, basically just trying to learn a trade that I could, you know, grow and support my family with. So at, 17, I got to a point where I was like struggling so bad to feed the family and pay the bills that I went out on my own subcontracting from other plumbing companies, doing rough plumbing, roughing in jobs, which was a 10, 12 hour days, 15 hour days, seven days a week, up until I was 23 years old, I did this. And by the time we were 23, we had three children. Wow. Um, yeah. So that's a lot of tangle you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, man. So talking about <laughs> being thrown into the fire, I was, I was out there. So I was forced to make it. I was forced to either make it or break it. You know, can we talk, so, can we at, just rewind uh, just a little bit, Mike, going back to the 17 year old you and joining your friend's dad's uh, plumbing company. You didn't know Jack about plumbing at the time, correct? No, I knew nothing at all about so, plumbing. So, I started I mean, from total scratch. You know, I, I uh, kind of remember my first job, you know, uh, working cash at McDonald's. You, I mean, I've, I've grown up eating McDonald's and I was very familiar with the menu. Uh, so I, I went into the job knowing a little bit. I was 16, 17, same age as you. And I mean, how hard can it be? Just hit the buttons and smile. But for right. you, you're, you're, you're going into something completely foreign. So, yeah. and, and it's not like, you know, that plumbing company has some robust international training system where you watch nope. a video from the CEO who says, welcome to McDonald's or welcome to the plumbing company or welcome to the plumbing world. You know what I mean? So what, yeah. were, what were those first few days? Like? I mean, what was your first day like? Oh, man, it was scary. It was scary. Um, in fact, our first job was a big apartment complex and i was standing under a ladder of a of a full-fledged plumber and he's calling out fittings to have me get fittings and and i don't even know what the names of the fittings are no less what they look like you know so now i'm is this an apartment complex in in atlanta i mean how how big was this part yeah it was a huge apartment complex it was probably it probably had 30 buildings 16 unit apartment buildings in each building. So, you know, I'm looking up at a ladder of all these hundreds of plumbing fittings they're putting in. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself at 16, like, I'm never going to learn this. <laughs> this is impossible. Like, how do you learn this? This, this what, is a lot what, to what, take what in. Were you, what were you looking at? Plum, uh, what, what, was it like pipes we, all over the place? Or what? I'm standing at the bottom of a ladder, and I'm looking at the guys running the drain. They're putting drain pipes in, the white PVC pipes. Yep. And uh, <clears throat> they're just running everywhere like spaghetti, you know? So I'm, like, looking at it, and I'm like, "There's how am I going to learn this? This is just too much to take in. So the first day was really, really overwhelming. Like, I remember, like, being like, this this is 
I don't know if I'm going to learn this. I might have to go to landscaping or something that I can catch on to a little faster. And, you know? and what do they have you doing? I mean, you showed up. Nobody has the time to kind of you know teach you everything right there. They've got to get to work. So what do they have you doing? Yeah. Nor did the guys want to teach me. You know, they it was it was old school. So you were pay attention and learn, or you 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 didn't learn. So they had me um, grabbing. I was at the bottom of the ladder. I was grabbing fittings. Anytime they would ask for something, I would run to the truck and go get it and bring it back to them. They would call out measurements for pipes, and I'd cut the pipe for them and hand it to them. So it was it was really intimidating. The first day was really intimidating. I. I can remember it like it was yesterday, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And, so, and, and then, yeah. so you, so you got through your first day, right. And then a uh, second day is a lot like the first day. You don't know crap again. Uh, but, yep. but you, yep. you know, you know where stuff is at least, and you know what, if they're telling you to pass this thing, you know what that thing is now, at, at what point did it become, start becoming like a, a little bit different? Like you weren't completely new anymore. Uh, was there one job that uh, that you remember that you were like, "Oh crap, I can I can really do this"? Yeah, in fact, the sec- the uh, first day we got back, and and luckily, you know, it was my best friend's dad's company, so I got to go to their house that afternoon, and I was talking with the owner, and I was like, you know, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to learn this lot to take in, and and he could see the worry, so. The next day, he actually stuck me with a fixture crew, which was like putting in faucets and building toilets. So that second day, I kind of got to ease because it was easier task to understand. And I kind of started grasping onto that really fast. Right. So I started building toilets, putting faucets in. By the end of the week, I, I was feeling confident and and putting fixtures together. So I ended up doing fixtures on that side of it for like the next five years. They seemed that that was my strong point. So that's what I went to was fixtures. Okay. So you get past this um, apartment building job, which is a new construction job. I assume one of those big, was it one of those month long jobs was a couple of weeks, but. Oh yeah. What was the next job after that, Mike? The next job we went into doing houses. They brought me off the apartment crew and put me on single dwelling houses, single family homes, which was, you know, going from an apartment job to a single family home was like hugely different. Like it was so much easier. And after being on that big intimidating job, now I'm in a, in a house that's, you know, just three bathrooms instead of 20. And it was so much easier to comprehend at this point. Like I, I started catching on. And, you know, I've always been a fast learner. My parents were really Southern and, and they made me and my, my little brother work our way through high school. I, in fact, I worked in middle school at Kroger. So they, I've always had a, a drive to learn and, and catch on really fast. So we get to these houses and it was like, you know, this is a cakewalk because I've already been on the, I've already been on the big job, you know, that I was intimidated by. Now I'm on this little house and this is simple, you know. So I stay. I ended up staying on houses probably another ten or fifteen years before I seen another apartment complex. Right, and and um, is it fair to say that a, a single dwelling house is more like a glorified version of one unit in those big complexes? Right, that unit will yes, have a toilet. Yes. You know what I mean? And that's what I come to learn later in my career was, you know, you don't if you start looking at the project as an apartment building in a whole then you're going to be overwhelmed. 
where if you look at it like a house where it's bathroom by bathroom, it's not as overwhelming. I mean, that's something in plumbing that comes in time, you know, when you're a helper and you're, you're making your way through the ranks, you learn to focus on one bathroom at a time and not the whole entire project or it get overwhelming. Now, for somebody starting out, do you recommend them start in new construction to get that experience that oh, you sometimes 100%, 100%. A lot of guys I hear, I talk to a lot of service guys now that probably have as many years as experience as I do in plumbing, but they've only done service plumbing. And they all say the same thing. I wish I would have gotten the experience that you got to know what's behind the walls and how to put this stuff in instead of just servicing Mrs. Jones's toilet or working on her water heater where I actually know how to go in and plumb the house from the bottom up. I want to fast forward just a little bit to the time. Yes, where, so, so you've done your time. You've done your time. You, you, you've yep. worked, you started uh, overwhelmed. You switch over now and you, you know, you find your niche. You say, okay, well, you know, I'm good at these fixtures and so on. And then you transition yep. to some single, single dwelling homes, which is great because that's what that's yep. all about. Right now, at what point in time, how long down the road do you start thinking to yourself in the back of your head, like every young plumber who starts out in new construction does, at what point does this happen? You know what? I think I could start my own thing. Gosh, when you're that young, time, five years, because it seems like 15 years for some reason. <laughs> it was probably five years later that I had gotten work on fixture in. And then I'd gotten to work on rough with rough houses, putting in the pipes and plumbing in the house. But I, you know, I got all that experience. And at, at by the time I was 18, I was already doing it myself. I was roughing houses. I was trimming, putting fixtures in. I was doing all the work with it, running a crew myself at 18 years old. So by the time I was 18, I realized I'm not going to feed my family on this hourly rate that they're paying me. So my only other choice was to go out on my own, which means subcontracting from other plumbing companies. So I went and got me a little pickup truck, little S10 pickup truck, small truck. And I pulled up to a plumbing company and I, I said, I'm here to uh, subcontract a rough. <laughs> And, and that's that's uh, you know, really interesting. It, it's hard to get a raise when you're a plumber in new construction, right? It, it's It's almost yeah. impossible. Yeah, it is because you're just a low man on a totem pole. It, it's really tough. It's really tough, and especially when you're young and you you know you've already got a couple of kids and and you're already paying for your own house and groceries and you know doing all that, trying to make it in life. You, I had a. I think that's what gave me my drive to go out on my own to make that step. You know, to the to the next step was because I had so much responsibility on my shoulders that I really just didn't have a choice. It was, it was do that or starve. So you, so you had your, tr you had your truck. Did you have a crew? Did you have any contacts? No, actually, uh, it's funny. I went out on my own. I had already kind of learned the ropes of, of, Hey, there's, um, working at the company that I work for subcontractors that worked for us. And I had, paid attention to them you know they would come to our shop and they would get their materials and they would take the materials out and they would go rough this house in and i noticed they were making you know seven to eight hundred dollars a house to subcontract it out 
And I was thinking, gosh, if I could do three, four houses a week, you know, I could make a couple grand a week and, and easily support my family. So I go get me a small pickup truck, some tools, and I burn the bridge with my best friend's dad. And I head out on, on this journey and I pull up at a plumbing company, another plumbing company and tell them, Hey, I'm a, I'm a sub of rough houses, which they're kind of looking at me funny because I'm 19, 18, 19 years old. And these, uh, these guys, I'm surprised they gave me a shot, <laughs> but they're like, you know, you're, you can plumb a house. You, you, you're awful young, you know? So they, <laughs> they gave me the shot. They, they, they gave me the shot. They gave me the materials and I went out and I actually worked by myself. And it took me, you know, the first time it took me about a good solid three days to do this house. That was daylight till dark every night till I got this house done. And, and they'd come in and they'd seen my work and, and they were shocked. They were like, holy cow, you know, this 19-year-old kid's doing it, you know. He, and he does good and nice, clean work. So and, there and I went. I went and got an, another house. So That's super interesting. And super interesting that... um you did that because you had every reason to just get on and get done with the house and your next house, next house, next house, and just churn them real yep. quick, not care about the quality because you have a family to feed. Right. So you, you could have yes, been sir. just get, get through them, get your money, get your money. But and on in the back of your mind too, you had that, that quality first style. Yes. How important was that Mike? And to me, it was really important because of the family I had at home and being so young. I knew that if I didn't do a good job, that I wouldn't have another job to do. So I always made sure that I did it right to the best of my abilities. And now I'm not going to say I didn't make mistakes because, you know, I made a bunch of mistakes that luckily people was easy on me and let me uh, learn from those mistakes to keep moving forward. Sure, but uh, so, let's just say there were no shortcuts taken, right? No, not at all. And I would have to contribute that to my mother because she's always instilled that in me and my little brother. She's always instilled that we, when we do a job, no matter who it, what it is for or what it is, whether it's cutting grass, you know, you always take your time, do it right. You know, you respect the people you're working for. So my mother instilled that in me at a young age, and I, I'm thankful for that. So a young Mike Chastain going door to door on plumbing businesses, saying he's a sub, finally starts yep. making a name for himself and turn for a sub turns into a go-to yep. guy or what happens? Well, uh, I'm so at that age, I'm 19. I ended up doing it until I was 23 years old, 23, almost 24. And that's when my life got turned upside down. I was, at 24, I was a professional at this, this point. <laughs> if you what can is, imagine a 24-year-old professional. Uh, kind of paint that picture for us there, Mike. What does that mean? I, I was um, a professional. To put it in perspective, I, in that first couple of day, you know, first couple of years that I was subbing, it would take me three full days to do a house. I got to where I could do a house by myself in one day. Damn. That was doing all the drain pipes. I would scoot the tubs in by myself. I would do all the water piping. I would do it all in one day. So, so how did you, how did you, how did you, what, what is it that allowed you to do these jobs much quicker and still maintain the same quality? It was, it was my drive to make another dollar <laughs> to, gotcha. uh, to, to come home and, and provide my family with a nice house and, 
to, to be able to buy my car, wife a car finally, you know, because we spent years, you know, I would come home in the S10 pickup from roughing houses. I would unload it in my driveway and then we would go out to dinner in this same truck. You know, we, we would have, we had two kids at the time. At that time I had two and Katie and the two kids would be in the front and I would be riding in the back. So I, I clearly remember one time we were headed to my mother's house and we were headed up highway interstate 75 and we get pulled over by Bartow County and he flashes the fire sight in the truck and he looks at the two kids and Katie and then he looks at me in the back and he just kind of gave me that nod like I, I understand what you're doing you know and he's like you know this is against the law right so he let me go and and we just kept going and you know I eventually got to where I was doing these houses every day and I could afford to finally buy her a car and a minivan so that we could get the kids around without me riding in the back of a pickup truck. But Hey, that's where I started, man. I started from zero. So, so Mike, how did that feel that, that day that, you know, y- your wife comes back from the dealership in that, that, that minivan that you've worked so hard for, man, it was the greatest feeling in the world knowing that I supplied her with this vehicle that she could now drive our kids around and take them to school without me having to ride in back of the truck. And she didn't have to use my work truck. I didn't have to keep unloading all my materials and my tools every time she needed to go to the store. So it was an awesome feeling, man. I'm, and it's what drove me to keep, keep moving forward, you know, because I was seeing the results. I was seeing those results that I was putting in my hard work and, and getting rewarded for it. You were seeing the, uh, the hard work uh, paying off, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, at this so, point, Mike, you've hit a milestone in your life. It, yep. Things are starting to be uh, you know, go, going up and up. Uh, it, it'd be real easy for you now to just relax a little bit. Is that, is that what you did? Uh, no. <laughs> I actually wanted more. I just had this desire for more. So at 22, about 22 years old, I, I hired couple of guys to work with me that made my job easier so we would go in and rough these houses and now I wasn't doing all the work myself I would go in and I would do all the drainage piping and they would set the tubs and do the water piping as I would do the drain so we got to where we could almost do two houses a day at this point let's talk about uh, what what the hiring process was like just going to find a couple guys sounds so easy when you say it like that yeah I know it's not yeah no. So I actually, it's, it's a funny story. I had a guy, my first guy hired, I was at a gas station pumping gas and this guy, what scrubby guy walks up with a drill that we use for plumbing. And he's like, Hey, you know, I'm broke. I, I need some money. Do you mind that you want to buy this drill? I noticed you were a plumber and I'm like, I'm looking at him and at the time I, I'm working by myself and I'm like, man, why don't, if you need money and you need help, why don't I put you and your drill to work? So this guy, his name was Wade. So Wade, he, he jumps in. He's like, yeah, man, I need a job. So he jumps in the van with me, our truck, and we hop off and, and go start working together. And it, and it ended up being like a two or three year relationship where Wade would get, I'd go pick Wade up every morning at his trailer and I'd pick him up and take him to the job with me. We'd knock this job out. Turns out he had a lot of experience. He just had kind of a rough background. So I kind of, um, it's kind of a cool story because I helped turn this guy's life around. And, and to this day, he's still living a better life than, 
he was then. So that's really another cool story we can talk about later. But I ended up picking Wade up from the gas station, long story short. So a guy selling, uh, selling tools that fell out of the back of a truck uh, ends up. Yeah, uh, being... yeah. Yeah, and he ended up. we ended up being really good friends, and we're still good friends to this day. And it's, uh, it's still like when I think about it now, because I've got kids that are that age now, and if I thought about Spencer, my son that's in his early 20s, if he was at a gas station picking some strange guy up, I would be like flipping out on him. <laughs> like, what the crap are you doing, son? But, you know, I took a chance, you know, uh, which is a part of where I'm at now from taking chances. Right. So, and luckily for me, he wasn't a, uh, you know, a bad person that took advantage of me. So, so it kind of worked out. So you've got your little crew. And now what are you doing? What's the business structure like? What's the operation like? What's the day-to-day like? Okay. So this is, I'm about 22 years old at this, this time. And I've upgraded my truck from an S10 to an actual plumbing truck with, with bins on the side and a ladder rack on the top. You know, we look professional. And, and so this, this is your time, first time buying a plumbing truck, right? So uh, talk about yes. that, Mike. Talk about the transition between just an, a regular pickup to a plumbing truck. What, what were you looking yes. at? What did you know? Did you know what you were looking for? or, or what? Yeah, tell me about um, that experience. I just knew from experience what I needed in a truck from being in the plumbing field for so long. You know, I know I needed a, I was doing rough. So I knew I needed a utility bed that had bins on it with a, with a pipe rack so I could hold pipe in the top. And I had gotten, you know, with this helper being able to do one or two houses a day, I'm making enough money now where I, I went and paid cash. for How much money truck. are you making at the time, Mike? Uh, in today's um, at like, this, uh, well, this was good money in that time. It, I was probably making thirty five hundred a week at this time, and I'm paying Wade about eight hundred a week. So, you know, I'm making pretty good money for a twenty two year old. At twenty two, you're at about ten k per month, just under ten k per yeah. month uh, after and paying your staff and all that. Right, and we're talking about nineteen ninety nine, two thousand. So that's that's a lot of money at that time. <clears throat> like I said, it's still good money to this day, but. In 1999, 2000, that's that's really good money. And and where was so most I, of the re, um like? Did you have specific customers, or were you still kind of hustling? Uh, you know, as a, what were you doing there? What was, was the revenue stream? I like? was um, all of my business came from other plumbing companies, so I was just subcontracting. They they had all these builders and all this work, and I would go to their shop in the mornings and. And I would load up material from their shop and take it to their jobs and, and subcontract the job from them. And and I did this up until I was 24 years old. And that's my next part of my story where my life gets turned upside down. So, so, so before, um, we get, before we get to that, before we get to that, I, I yep. don't want to miss this important information because yeah. I, I think uh, one thing, can you kind of explain the economics behind that, Mike, when a plumbing company subcontracts somebody? What, it, yeah. what are, what are yeah. the logistics yeah. behind that? Yeah. So the plumbing company, I know this after doing it myself, but they were making probably 350 an opening. And when I say opening, each fixture in your house, like a, a sink, a toilet, the tub, the washing machine, the water heater, that's all considered an opening. So an opening is so, a hole in a hole in the ground. Yes. Yep. Each hole is an opening. So these guys were making three, four hundred dollars an opening or hole. 
And they would subcontract it to me and pay me $55 an opening. So a typical house has 13 to 16 openings. So I was making $55 times 13 or 16, whichever size the house was. So, you know, seven, 800 bucks a house. And, and, if, and, if, you and it, if you look at it from time uh, per opening, time per hole. So how much time does it take you to fill one hole with a sink, with a tub, with a toilet? Were you getting pretty quick at this? Oh, really fast. I actually had, you know, I'm young. So I'm 22 years old and I, I've got the supervisors coming out because they're, they can't believe that this 22 year old kid is turning a house a day. Yeah. What's he holding that toilet with? What's he holding that toilet with? Yeah. Yeah. There's Duct no tape? way, dude. You're, you're 22. Uh, you know, is your dad at the job helping you or yeah, you know, yeah, what's exactly. going on here? Yeah. So they would come out to the job and, and see that I was doing it myself and they were really impressed. You know, each one that I went to, they seen a good, hardworking, fast, kid and they would all would like you know want to hire me hey you you need to come to work for us you need to drop this sub thing and just come to work for us you know right and because i got this over and over because the quicker you can fill in those holes the quicker they could go uh to another job right the, that plumbing company yeah, exactly exactly so and they seen my drive and my want to and they wanted me to be a part of their business which i turned down each time because i I was after the money to keep my family fed and, and make a good living. And I already knew what the ropes of working for somebody was. So I wasn't interested. You, 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 were, know, on that, you were on that hustle, right? Yeah, I was on the hustle big time. I was, I learned how to hustle the houses, put my little crew together and we were knocking them out and, and I was happy. I didn't quite follow the rules that I needed to, as far as like, I, I didn't exactly pay my taxes. And that's where stuff kind of started getting hairy. I was getting notices from the IRS. So I ended up where we're at 22, 23. I'm having IRS problems. So I ended up saving. We made a payment arrangement with IRS. I got them so, paid off. So I think this is, this is a really important lesson and, and something that a lot of people can learn from this, Mike. If you could have done that part differently... What would you have done in detail? I mean, what, what is it that you're missing from the IRS? What it, was it that you're missing by paying I, taxes? And I know, I know, as part of the hustle, you're not thinking about that. You're just no, thinking about no. the job and, and so on and so forth. So yep, what, the day to day. What was it that was required by the IRS? What was it that you needed to do? What was it that they wanted? What were you missing that got you into a lot of trouble? I wasn't following. So I would get through the, you know, days would turn into months, months would turn into a year, and I wasn't filing my taxes. So, you know, eventually that caught up to me and they, they caught up to me. <laughs> you know, right. so, and and uh, if you would have been filing monthly, there wouldn't have been yes. such a large lump sum after year two nope. of you hustling, right? Nope, not at all. And this, this is a part of, you know, learning from your mistakes and, and failing, you know. You, sometimes you have to fail to learn a lesson out of it. Well, you certainly, you certainly learn more from your failures than you do from your wins. Yes, exactly. And I think that's why I'm who I am today from my failures I had as, as a young, young kid. But so I get these taxes and, and I finally learned, okay, well, I've got to start filing every year now. So 
we we work out a payment plan. Me and Katie sit down with the IRS on the phone, and we work out a payment plan. From then on, we filed every year, and it you know it took that scariness out of it because I before I had filed, I was scared. Like I don't even I don't want to you know I walked around with blinders on because I was scared of the IRS coming after me. So I, I was trying to block it out of my head and keep moving forward. Well, it came to a point where it came to a head and I had to deal with it. So we, we worked out a payment plan. I started filing from then on and paying my taxes. And, you know, it wasn't a couple of years in, I got all those last three years paid off where I was in trouble. And we started moving forward from then paying my taxes. So that was a part of my not only plumbing career, but my early young business career that I learned part of business. You know, I learned to hustle, but now I'm learning business. And that's something I was able to learn at a young age as well. Mike, just off quick, uh, off the top of my head, uh, math, and I and, you know, I suck at math, but whatever. Um, yep. it, I, I'm, I'm estimating about 36,000 that uh, was- You're early. right on the head. You're right on the head. It was in the 30,000 range. And now I paid payments on this for- Every bit of four years till I got it paid off. And I, I couldn't tell you the amount nowadays that I paid back then. I don't even, I don't remember what it was, but sure. it, it was in the four, four to $600 a week range. I think it was. Right. And, and, a, and, a, and a 23 year old making all this money, living and, and doing great. And then all of a sudden he gets a bill in the mail for $36,000. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that, that must have been like not only a bill in the mail, but a statement from your bank saying the IRS has seized your banking account. What? Yes. You know, you, you've been on hold. So here I am now for a short term, I have to take these checks that I get from these plumbing companies and I have to take it to their bank and I have to cash it because I can't put it in my bank. The IRS is going to take it. They can do that? So that they, can, they can seize your bank yes, account? Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. They'll take... <laughs> They'll come to your house. They'll take anything that you have in your name. They don't play around when it comes to their money. Uncle Sam, he he wants his half. Yep. So at that time, my family members was a business person, business-oriented, my aunt. And she explained to us, look, you guys can call the IRS, and they will actually work with you. So we got over the fear of the big, bad IRS, and we sat down and called the IRS, and, and they worked out a payment plan with us. And then from then on, we knew this lesson, you know, we have to file every year and we have to pay because it's easier to pay, you know, 5000 a year in taxes than turn around and pay 30000 40000 in four years. <laughs> That's right. And, and Because uh, if you don't file, the, then they on, add their charges on. Is there interest on the payment plans, Mike? It depends on, you can, you can negotiate with the IRS. So we didn't have a high interest rate. I think the person that I dealt with felt bad for us uh, <laughs> at that time. And, and he worked at a deal. It all depends on who you talk to with the IRS, you know? So we, we ended up finding somebody good that we worked with and got all that paid off. And, and so at this point we got that paid off. I'm moving forward. I'm still roughing houses. Now I'm paying my taxes. So we're, we're back on track and everything's rolling good now. You all know? right. So, so how it, old are you now? Learned. How old are you now? And so, what are you doing? Now I'm 24 years old. I'm subbing. We're actually doing two homes a week. And my my dad had done auto body work for his 30 years, as long as I lived. 
and my dad actually seen me doing good and and you know wanted to see if he could get into doing plumbing so he actually came to work with me and two houses a week doesn't sound like a lot but it's about three just over three thousand dollars for the two houses yeah no we were doing two houses a day yeah oh two houses a day day. so so you're making Mm -hmm. three grand a day basically yeah it's amazing so we're kicking out this money you know so things are going great so my dad sees this and he he's like well maybe i can you know because auto body didn't pay as well so he's like maybe i can get in and, and learn a little bit you know and help my son you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> so my right. dad comes to work for me and my my bro- little brother at the time he I, he had started working at the plumbing company that i uh had left to begin with and he was you know he never went out sub and he always worked there by the hour and that was the plumbing so, company your buddy's dad Yes, R&R Plumbing out of Ackworth, Georgia. So he had stayed there and was working, and he was making fun of my dad. Like, you're, you're not a plumber, Dad. You're an you're uh, auto body guy. You're not, you're not a plumber. And he was making fun of him, and, and he was laughing. And my dad was just out to prove him wrong. You know, I'm going to learn this. <laughs> so, so this was 2002 before things went south. So my brother's working over at R&R, the company I started at, and I'm on at other plumbing companies subcontracting. And me and my dad are together. I've got a crew that's upstairs in this house. And my mom, she she cleans houses. She did new, she did new construction cleaning. She did all kind of builders herself. And we were we were never in the same subdivision or anything like that. And my dad was with me and we were in this basement and I was finishing up this house. We were almost done. And my dad's with him. He's on the other side. And my mom comes in the house. You know, we, we had planned to eat lunch together because we were in the same subdivision this day. And we planned to eat, you know, lunch together. We, this never happens. We don't share the same builders. We're never in the same neighborhood. So, so my mom's in the neighborhood cleaning the house and me and my dad's in this basement and my mom comes in the house and, I heard her screaming upstairs just to the top of her lungs, just screaming. And I'm like, dad, she doesn't drop the razor on her foot or something. You know, I don't, I don't want to see this. He gets to the stairs. I remember it like it was yesterday. He gets to the stairs. I'm on the ladder and my mom starts screaming that Dusty just got killed. Dusty's just been in a car accident. And, and for bad those accident. who don't know who Dusty is, Mike. This is my little brother. He was, he was 22 years old and I'm 24 years old. So we were two years apart. I have no other siblings. He was my only sibling. So my mom comes in this house and she's screaming to the top of her lungs. And, and I thought she dropped a razor on her foot. <laughs> I can't see this, you know? And then she screams out, Dusty just got killed in a car accident. Dusty just got killed in a car accident. So my dad was like halfway up the steps and, and he falls down the steps. And my first reaction was, this isn't true, you know? This isn't true. So my natural instincts kick in and I start, you know, consoling my parents. And the guy that that worked with my brother who he was headed to meet was actually made it to the accident scene before before the cops or anybody got there. And at the time we had the two-way radios, the Nextel radios. So this guy's screaming in the phone, you know, nobody will help me. Your son's in bad shape. I don't know what I'm. I don't know what to do. And my mom's screaming back. So my first reaction, I take the phone out of her hand and I throw it. I threw it in the woods. 
like, you don't need to hear that, mom. You don't need to hear that. You know, it's not even true. So I'm trying to block it out. It's not true. It's not true. Let's go get our shit together. He's going to be all right. He's going to be fine. So I convinced my mom and dad, but he's fine. He's just, you know, let's get through this and get, get to the house. So we, you know, we're on the way to the house and called the ex boss at the time that I used to work for. And, and, and I said, Russell, you know, tell me the truth, man. What's, what's going on? And he said, you know, he asked me if I was driving and I, uh, so he had me calling back when I got back to the house. So I call him back from the house and I, you know, I'm like, Russell, tell me what's going on, man. Please tell me my brother's okay. You know? And he's like, you know, I'm sorry, Mike, I'm sorry. Your brother, he's, he didn't make it. It's not good. He, he didn't make it. So that was the point that my life turned upside down. And man, I don't even uh, hold on. I don't even know how to how to even uh, explain that part. So my parents are uh, flipping out and and screaming, and my whole world was upside down. You know, everything that I'd known and worked for, and all this was just. I was now in a Freddy Krueger nightmare, you know, that I couldn't wake up from. Like this, this isn't real, you know, this isn't real. And that's what you tell yourself when you're in that situation. It's not, this isn't real. How, <laughs> how do you come to grips with that, you know? So all that happens and uh, my brother got killed and, and uh, in a plumbing truck headed to a job site. He crossed over and hit a dump truck head on and killed him instantly and this this was halloween day of 2002 i remember the day like it was yesterday not a cloud in the sky it was a blue sky perfect day 70 something degrees like you think to yourself how could this happen on such a perfect day you know now mike at that time at that time you were extremely while you and your brother weren't working together you were still extremely close with him right Oh yeah, yeah. Me, I come from a really close family. My mom did Sunday dinner every Sunday. You know, we were expected to be there every Sunday to have dinner, and we were a really close knit family. My mom had always instilled a, a family atmosphere in us. To you know, family means more than anything. Did your so, brother have the same kind of drive and kind of start that you did in the in the plumbing game? He did. He did. He um, he was working his way up through the ranks. At the time, he was he was where I was at when I was learning fixtures. He he was learning fixtures, so he hadn't gotten to learning like rough ends or or stuff like that. But he was he was gaining confidence and in, installing fixtures, and and that's what he was headed to do that day was was to go put fixtures in a house. He was running his own crew over there. So he, he was headed to this job site and he had already had sleep apnea. And a couple of years before this accident, he had uh, surgery on his throat to help him breathe better. Did they, remove, he would his, be, did they remove his tonsils or something? Yes, they removed his tonsils and, a, and they moved like an inch of skin out of the back of his throat to try to clear his airway for when he's sleeping because he right. would go to sleep and not breathe. For those who don't know, when you when you have sleep apnea, your tongue gets stuck in the back of your throat, right? And and the the yeah, is there something that blocks the airways from your throat because uh, it's so it's too small back there, or or the tonsils yes. are blocking? Yeah, the, the skin, the tonsil, and your throat kind of closes in a little, and it restricts your breathing. So he they went in and they cut his tonsils out and they cut some of this, 
you know, the tissue out of his throat to kind of open up his airways. He had this surgery and, and it, and it really didn't help much. He still suffered from sleep apnea. So he, he would be like, we would go to a loud event somewhere, a concert, and he would fall asleep at the concert. Like just cause he would, he would be so tired from not getting sleep at night. So this is actually what caused his death was he was, he was going down the road and he fell asleep. You know, he was headed to the job site and he, he fell asleep and, you know, unlucky for him, it was right in front of a dump truck. So it, it, he hit the dump truck head on and it killed him, killed him instantly. No, so, um, what, what, go ahead. what about you shortly after this? So, so the, the, the funeral comes and gone goes and, and I assume it was a yeah. great funeral. I assume yeah. you, you have a strong local presence in your community. At oh this yeah. Time, right. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, it was actually touching because he had, I bet there was every bit of 250 people at the funeral. I remember looking back in the rearview mirror and seeing the line and it just went and went, you know, back and, and I kept seeing the cars coming. I kept seeing the cars coming. And then we got to the graveyard and there was so many cars that people, they were having to turn people away. And I, I remember thinking to myself, man, look at the impact that he made on you know all these people's life the what what did he do that was so special you know to gain all these people's friendship and they you know would fight to come to the graveyard you know like look at this this is amazing so i kind of had an epiphany at that moment of you know look at what my brother did at, at, at just treating people you know kindly and and with respect at what that did for his life, you know? So that was a touching moment. So anyway, I picked up from there and the funeral's over and I picked my tools up and it's time to go back to work. And, and, and my dad at that time, he, he came on with me. We got in the truck. We were going to go work, work our way through this. You know, we're going to get our life back on track. So we get to this house and it was a big house to rough in. And I remember there was seven, eight bathrooms in this house and, and I set my tools down and I went to go drill a hole and I just didn't feel it anymore. You know, my, my, my mojo was gone. I didn't have that drive that I had before it happened. It was like something was wrong. And I looked over at my dad and I said, dad, I'm not, I'm not feeling this. I'm not, I can't do it. And he said, you know, he looked at me and he said, I think you need to, you need to call your old boss and, and probably get it, see if he had offer you a job because, you know, he wasn't feeling it either. But this time we were both lost and confused and didn't know where to turn. So I called my ex-boss that I started with originally, R&R, where my brother just got killed. And I asked Russell, I said, hey, you know, you mind giving me a job? I can't subcontract anymore. I don't, I, I don't have it in me right now to, to, uh, to hustle anymore. So he gives me a job and he, he wasn't the nicest person in the world, so he uh, made me start at the bottom. So I get back to R&R where it all started. He gives me the worst van he has, the oldest van. I have to prove myself. So there I am back in a van doing fixtures again, and I'm back to square one where I started. So and how I'm old are you around. at the time, Mike? And uh, were at you this making time, I'm 20. I'm 24 years old at this and, time. And w the job that he offered you, was it enough to maintain your family? Uh, you, obviously you've. Um, yeah, it was, 
it was seven. He gave me seventeen dollars an hour. So I was probably I went from making you know three to six grand a week to seven to thousand a week. So it was enough to feed the family and keep the bills paid, but we had to be you know really tight with our money. So it was a different lifestyle. But I kept telling myself, you know, my brother got killed, so I was pouring myself into just day-to-day activities to keep my mind busy. So I didn't worry about the money as much as I used to. I kept myself busy, and 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 I'm in this old van, and and you know, I was kind of took back that he threw me in this old van, and and really, I respect him for it now because he made me earn my spot back, you know. So, so I'm in this old van and, and I start and I go in and I start doing these jobs that he's giving me and I'm blowing through them and I'm coming back to the shop. Russell, I'm done. There's no way you're done. He said, there's no way you're done because you know, this, this work would take my guys two, two days. And here I am at lunchtime. I'm back at the shop. I'm done. And I'm like, no, this is easy, Russell. This is easy. So about a month in of being back, he's like, okay, he, he sees that I'm a little further than I was when I left. And he starts giving me some respect. It starts giving me, he gave me a nicer truck. One thing leads to another. I'm, I'm running the finish department. A year in, I'm running his finish department for him. And so what's now a at this finish, point, I, what, what does that mean, a finish department, Mike? That is, um, the finish department is the last stop. So. The guys would go in and put all the fixtures in and anything from that point to when the homeowners moved in, the homeowners would get a year's warranty. So I dealt with everything from the fixtures getting installed to the warranty process where the homeowner got a year's warranty and I would have to send my guys back to anything that happened within a year, we would go back and fix it. So this is where I started picking up on dealing with, with customers and homeowners. So I'm at, you know, I'm a year back. I've worked my way up into this supervisor position. I'm running, I think it was 30 guys at the time I had under me. So I'm running these 30 guys around every day, making sure they're getting their jobs done. And I, you know, not wanting to think about my brother's stuff that just happened. I wanted to pour myself into this job to keep my mind busy. Like I I didn't want to think about it. I didn't want, I wanted to shove it behind me, you know. I didn't want to think about it. So I poured myself into this job. So that's where I picked up my customer service skills is working with these customers that were, you know, their warranty calls and I would have to deal with them and, and send the guys out. Little did I know I was teaching myself how to run a business, a real business. Right. So I worked there until I was 30 years old. I ended up before it was all over. I was running the whole entire company. Mike, what's the difference uh, between what are some of the main differences between running that, you know, hustle, job to job, plumbing, doing that sub hustle to running that that whole business per se? There really wasn't much of a difference. To me, it kind of was it was easy for me because I had already had those that hustle, that lifestyle that I worked my butt off day in and day out to to get these jobs done. And I already had that drive about me that kind of came back to life when I started running crews there, you know, it kind of came back to me like, this is easy because I've already done something that was way harder than this. You know, I did this on my own. Were your hours different? 
my hours were way different. It was, it was, I mean, a complete 180. So I would open the shop there at R&R at 6.30 in the morning, and I would be off by 3.30 in the afternoon. There towards the end, when I was about 30 years old, I'm running the company. Russell started paying me to entertain builders and stuff. So I'm, I'm real sociable. I'm really good at talking. And, and so he's paying me to, to take these builders and play golf or take them to the Braves game or, or just entertain so that these builders would bring us into their next subdivision so we could get the next subdivision, you know? And at this so point, you're, now, you're, five, you're five years into the company, right? You're five years into yeah, R&R? I'm, I'm five years in. I'm and, 29, 30 years old. And, and now you're whining and, and dining with... Oh, yeah. With, with, and and the these, these developers, Mike, they're not 29, 30 years old. No, no. These guys are 45, 50, 60 years old. So you're showing, and, them, you're and, showing them how to be young again. Yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking to the Braves game, and, you know, Russell would hand me a $30,000 check and tell me to go enter, entertain these guys. So I did that well. <laughs> uh, you know, somebody hands you 30 grand and says, go entertain somebody. It's, it's fun. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm really so, good at spending other people's money and my own money. Yeah. Money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, so... So at this point, I'm thinking, you know, I'll never have to do plumbing again in my life. Like, I've made it, you know. this I've gotten the ticket. I've made it. So this is about 2006. And one of the older guys that worked there with us at, at R&R, he started coming in talking about, you know, gas is crazy. And, and we're about to go in a recession, guys. And, and all of us were like, you know, you're crazy, old man. You know, what are you talking about? You know, and then... uh it wasn't another year. Things started. One builder fell out and went bankrupt, and, and another builder started going bankrupt, and it started getting everybody's attention. Like something's going on here. This is 2006, 2007, and before you know it, it was like dominoes. Like all the builders started just going bankrupt. So we had at the time we had 170 something employees. I think it's 176. We were a $390 million company and everything that they had built, the two owners was falling apart in front of their face. Uh, so, so, so this we were is headed really, into the house. This is really important to understand that, that leading up to that 2006, 2007 year, the economy was booming and especially the housing oh, market. Yeah. New development was going up everywhere because they were giving out mortgages Loans like it was a souvenir everybody. at a baseball game. Yeah. But, now you're saying 2006, 2007, it's starting to catch up to the economy. Yeah. And in 2008, yep. boom, everything crashes. Boom. People the default on their out. mortgages. New development that yeah. was supposed to be filled is not filled anymore because those all those mortgages yep. are, are bogus. So they don't want to put another shovel in the ground until they get these things yeah. uh, filled. And so they they halt construction. They halt new development. And this is a yep. this has a trickle effect uh, right this into the plumbing. So here, here we go again. My life is taking another turn and another devastating fall. I'm watching the two owners that I knew personally that grew this business, this $390 million business they grew from nothing. And, I, and I'm watching them and they're, they're crying and they're, they don't know what to do. And we had 170-something employees and we've gotten down to the original three employees. You know, we, wow. we had this. $60,000 conference room and it's the three of us sitting there and it's, that's it. 
And, and one of the owners kept trying to tell himself, it's, we're going to make it. We're going to be all right. The other owner's going, don't listen to him. <laughs> I don't even have the money to pay you. So here we are, we're, we're, we're clinging to the one that's saying we're going to make it, you know, we're like, we're going to make it, you know, we're going to help you. Mike, and, um, and, can and you other, talk, can you talk about the layoff? Were you a part of that? Did you have to tell people yeah, that you're going to be out of, yeah, yeah. can you talk rough. about that a little bit? What happened? Yeah. So like I said, we had about 176 people and, and I had to start bringing people in at a time and explaining to them, look, there's hey, no Mike, more work. Mike, uh, can you can you paint that picture for us? So you're in the office. You're calling some of the office. Do yeah. they kind Do they yeah, kind of so, know? And and what what oh, was yeah, your what was yeah, your speech? Knows. What was their reaction? Were there any? You know, it's tough, man. It's tough. You're taking someone's yeah, life away. Yeah, it is tough. It is tough. I mean, everybody was devastated. Everybody knew what was going on. It wasn't a secret. So you know, they knew when they were coming in that I was telling them it was the last day. They knew. So they would come into the office and I would tell them, look, you know, this is over, man. I don't know what's going to happen. Basically, good luck. Did they have severance packages? Were they out the door with something? Um, they didn't have severance packages because there wasn't nothing left. So basically, it was good luck and I'm sorry. And, and with the times with everything just fell out the way it did, everybody kind of understood. You know, it was kind of a a silent agreement that everybody already knew it was, we were in trouble. Everybody was in trouble. So, so Mike, was it it just, just was it just new construction that got affected by the 2008 crash or was it service as well? No, it was, it was everybody, everything got hit. I remember right before the decision was made to close the doors. I remember sitting at a gas station and and listening to um, Rush Limbaugh. And, and I think he at the time was saying, you know, this is going to be a rough five years. Everybody needs to hang on. It's going to be a rough five years, but we're America. We're going to make it through this, you know? And I remember listening to that thinking, oh, no, what, you know, five years, that's a long time to to sit around and wait on this, you know? What's going to happen? And I remember that worry, and I was sitting at a gas station like, man, this is really happening, you know? we're. I don't know what I'm going to do. So, you know, we got back, and we started laying people off, and it it got down to the just three of us sitting there at a table. From out of 176 people, it was down to three. And and, and when you're three people in a room, that's a, that's 2008, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And it it was very uncomfortable. What are the next um, 12 months like? The next 12 months was kind of rough. So they actually came in. You know, it was the last three, and they actually explained, "Hey, we're done. We're closing shop." You need to park your truck here. They left. Never seen them again. They left the doors open to the shop. They 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 told us, look, we don't have the money to give you your last check, but you're welcome to take anything you feel of value out of the shop to take with you to help you. So I went and I grabbed a few tools that, you know, my instincts kicked in from my hustle days. I went and grabbed some tools that I felt was a value of my check at that time. And I did what I knew best. I went back to hustling. So I had made being in that position at R and R, I had made relationships with builders and, and, you know, owners of building companies that who now they were trying to figure out what they were doing. So they kind of went into this remodel thing 
And market started to change at this point into rental homes because now you've got these investors now that are buying up all these foreclosed homes. Right. And I think this is where flipping became a big thing, right? Yes, flipping houses. It became huge. Yeah, huge. So I got, okay. So here's where my instincts started kicking back in. Okay, here's my hustle. I'm kicking back into this hustle that I used to have before I lost my brother. So I'm hustling this. And I meet got all these builders I used to work for. They're calling me because they knew that I, I went out on my own and I got me another pickup truck. And th- I, here I am back out there before what happened with my brother. I'm back out there again. But instead of seven from subcontracting from plumbing companies, now I'm an entity of my own. I'm actually getting the builders myself now. So this is where, this is where my whole business career started with, with Absolute Plumbing. So uh, I started it in the recession. So they, they're getting these rental homes. They're getting these contracts with these investors. They're, they're going in and they're tearing everything out. And then we're going in and putting all new plumbing in. And I'm doing these. And as the ball just starts rolling, I get one, one year I'm starting out with one truck. And, and then the next year I've got two trucks. And, and here, you know, it's led all the way up 13 years later. Here I My- am. Mike, we're we're gonna get into absolute plumbing in just a second. First, I want to know, yeah, were were a lot of the houses abandoned at the time, and because people must have just left, right? Just left the door, much like oh the yeah, owners, they just left. So a lot of the stuff was just rusting. So you're going in and it's all a remodel thing. What are some? What's the shape of some of these houses like when you're going in there? Not only not only are they abandoned, but you had people that were moving into these houses. They knew that. That you know, they would go through a period of time where the people would lose the house to the bank, and then the bank would go bankrupt. So there was a period of time where people knew that nobody even owned these houses, you know. So there would be people just moving in these houses, living in them, without so, without having a title on the home or nothing, just like yeah, oh, that without one having looks- a title. I mean, it, it got so crazy that there was actually people that were going around renting these houses, and they didn't even own them. <laughs> <laughs> So it got crazy, you know. So so these companies that investors that bought all these homes up, they started, you know, get going through the process of having these people evicted out of the home because they actually had to go to court have them evicted, which you know by law in, in the state of Georgia they had to give them you know thirty days to to get out. And, and that's even when though they illegally seeing, moved in. That's when you started seeing sheriffs showing up at the door on the news and stuff, and all these documentaries. Yeah, yeah exactly. You, you know. Yeah, it was crazy times. So, you know, I was in a truck and I got back, I got myself, a, you know, another plumbing truck and I'm, I've got myself a helper again and, and I'm out there doing these home remodels. And, and that was this, lasted. Was this profitable, Mike? Yeah, it was. It, it was real profitable. It was more than I had actually anticipated because things had went downhill so bad that I didn't think that I would ever make the kind of money I was making before. And really it were kind of did. I was, we were in a recession and I was making good money again. Here so, so I we, am back out. making, you know, we have an idea ahead. of what the new construction was like. We have an idea on what service Mike, what's remodeling. Like, can you kind of uh, break that down for us? Yeah. It's a cutthroat cutthroat game. So you got these remodelers who they're a, they're a third party. So you're doing this work for them and 
they get paid after you're done. So basically nobody gets paid for a week or two or sometimes three weeks. So you're going in and I had to go to the supply house and, and I have to buy all these plumbing materials and I would go put them in this house and I, I would have to wait two, three weeks for this builder to get his money or this remodeler. And he would want to hassle me, you know, Hey, uh, you, you need to do this a little cheaper. You know, I'll just get somebody else at the time. Everybody wanted to work. You know what I mean? There was no work. So you either did it for dirt cheap or, or you, you didn't do it. Somebody else would. So it, it kind of ruined our industry there for a little bit on uh, our prices. It drove our prices down and we had to work for these scumbags <laughs> that were, <laughs> you know, taking advantage of us trades because they knew that if we didn't do it, there was a hundred more people up behind us that would, you know? So, so this, it, this it was really rough, hurt, this hurt the trade industry immensely, correct? Yeah, really bad. So anybody that was in construction at the time, they were just, I mean, it, it was, they were destroyed. It basically, it was like hitting the reset button. So everything just got reset. It was start over. So that, you know, that yeah. kind of fuels me now. The reason I don't want to work with home flippers and uh, remodelers because they they're all the same. They don't they don't respect the trades. They're just the in it for their at, their bottom at, dollar. At the time, the trades are at an all time low. Plumbing is at an all time low. There's no way you're thinking of opening your own plumbing business at this time, Mike. No way. No, no, I'm not. I'm not thinking of owning my own business or opening my own business. I'm in survival mode. Right, right. So at this time, I'm in survival mode. I'm just trying to make a check to feed the family and keep the bills paid myself. So I'm doing whatever I can. You know, we're doing these jobs for a quarter of what I would have did it for five years ago. So how the heck heck does, does, does absolute plumbing come to life from this? So my hustling. So my hustle kicked back in. So I started a crew and I, and I started, and then I had two crews that were doing these remodels. So I, I had gotten to where I was doing enough of them and the quantity was making up for, you know, the quantity was making up for the low pricing. I was doing so much that it was, I was kind of starting to make decent money at it. And at this point i get, I do this for probably three to four years and building starts slowly coming back people starts buying up land and building houses again i mean it slowly starts turning around these guys that went to work for these i think foreign investment started kicking off here right a a lot of foreign investment coming in a lot of new houses getting built a lot of property prices are going up and we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel things are turning around so these, these guys that were into house flipping that were, were used to be home builders, they're getting back into home building now. So at this point, I'm like, okay, I've got two, at this time, I've got two trucks that I've been hustling these remodels with. And I, me, I sat down with Katie at, at home. Katie's my wife. And I said, Katie, you know, we need to open a business. I said, I think this is, I think this is where I need to start a plumbing company, my own company. And she told me I was crazy. She said, you're crazy. You're, you, you can't, you can't run a business, you know? And my will to do it was outweighing the, 
the the fear of not making it. You know, I was with, I had this wheel. Like I'm, I'm it's my time. This is my time. I, I seen the the window of opportunity. So I went and got a business license, and I started out. I wasn't absolute plumbing. I started out with my initials, which was MWC Plumbing, and I did this for two three years with small home builders, not really a high pace, but I had small home builders and I still had my remodel and home flippers. So I was doing them both. So that got me a third truck. So I'm doing this with three trucks. It's starting to build up. I'm going at it. Well, now I get approached from one of our builders that we had at R&R called Venture Homes. And they're a track home builder, which built, you know, that it got me from doing one or two houses a week to four to five houses a day. So now I'm needing subcontractors like what I used to do to keep up with the demand. So I'm, I'm hiring these Spanish crews to come in and, and do all the work. And then I took, I had my three guys that I had in trucks and I made them supervisors to watch these, these houses you know so that's that's where it all started and then man and now i don't even know where to go from there <laughs> it's fine and, and from there you're at mwc plumbing and how long you did that for three years mike uh, two three years mwc plumbing yeah about three years with mwc and i was actually in a supply house one day and i was having a conversation with the guy there at the supply house who i'd known for years in the supply business and he, he sat me down. He was like, Mike, you need, if you're, you're going to be serious about, you know, being a business, I think you need to find you a name because initials don't work very well. And he told me, if you're ever going to be somebody, you need to get you a brand and, and you need to build around that brand. And building off of a brand he did. In part two of the interview, Mike talks about the creation of absolute plumbing services. We talk about the evolution of the business and some very insightful tips for young plumbing business owners that you are not going to want to miss. As always, thank you for your time. We hope you consider listening again and sharing with a friend. So long for now. <laughs>